Welcome to the big kickoff and Liffy Sound 96.4 FM. Dave. Hello. Hello. Just so everyone knows, because some of our news today will be guesswork and it would have already happened because we're recording on Saturday because we're going to have a nice early morning getting up and eating chocolate for breakfast in the morning instead of uh, coming in live talking to all you beautiful people out there. But yeah, good morning. Happy Easter. Happy oh, yeah, technically, yeah. Happy Easter. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Let's go with that. What uh, do you have for what you for breakfast this morning? Uh, oh God, I don't know. Do you know what, what would be your call? My call? Yeah. Anything that's Cadbury's because yeah. I just like the Cadbury's chocolate. Other uh, things are available. They're not available. Confectionery, but they're it not. is the ultimate. They're available, but they're not as good. Yeah. So uh, as long as it's Cadbury's, I'm 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 happy. And in reputable uh, shops that I was in yesterday, Cadbury's was the one who was which was pretty much gone. Yeah, they're all gone. Just saying. I mean, even at the start of the week, yeah, you were struggling to get what you wanted. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's just not... the niche, expensive ones are left. Damn it! <laughs> um, what have you got planned for the the weekend? Uh for the weekend, actually, we don't know what we're going to do today slash tomorrow because uh, usually we have a big Sunday dinner, uh, a big uh, kind of Christmassy style dinner in Mams, but I don't think it's happening this year. So we're a bit yeah. torn. Half of us wants to have a nice, enjoy a lazy day treat like a normal Sunday, but you. then half of me wants to. Oh no, we do, yeah. And then the other half kind of, yeah, I want to do something about it. So I don't know. Yeah. It's actually undecided at the minute. Uh, obviously an Easter egg hunt. Well, yeah, everyone has to do an Easter yeah. egg hunt. You're letting, you're letting yeah. the kids down if you yeah. haven't done one. Obviously an Easter so egg hunt. Sort it That's out. a given. After that, we're still an open book. Uh, who have we got? What's the story with the show today? Well, later on, we have uh, Barry Prendable, ex-professional uh, footballer who's now up at Minute uh, Town University. And he was on talking about his career himself, coming up uh, as a kid himself, being... Groomed by a lot of the big clubs and that Strags Ferguson in, in his house in, 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 in Hillcrest and obviously where he is now and the new scholarship program that's there. He'll be on after nine o'clock and then obviously plenty of uh, news that's happening or about to happen that we need to talk about over the next hour. And, predictions. And yeah, exactly. It's more predictions today than news. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go with... Uh... Just before the song, just a quick shout out because we'll probably put something on our Facebook page oh, later yes. on. But uh, Esker's Boxing Club's own Amy Harrington is now a Dublin champ. We had her on in the studio there before the Esker Female Box Cup. A great kid and uh, delighted for her and uh, all the lads in the Esker Boxing Club. So we'll give him a shout out obviously over the social media platforms. But yeah, a little shout out on the airwaves as well. Brilliant. We're going to have her in when she wins the Olympic medal. Oh, yeah. In 2020. I can't figure it out at the moment. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's the song. Gavin James, Hearts on Fire. And welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffy Sound 96.4 FM. Why don't we jump? 
bit of Van Halen coming in there. That was awkward. <laughs> anyway, listen, we're going to do this very quickly and we're going to stick it to pretty much sports related because I don't really want to give them too much time of the day because I don't think they're going to get much for the rest of their careers. And we've, we've, we've left it alone for obvious reasons, but Paddy Jackson and uh, Stuart Alding and, and others um, were acquitted of uh, in that famous rape trial that everyone knows about. But anyway, all I want to talk about is, is there any career for them in rugby? Personally, I don't think so because yeah. they've been they've been acquitted, mm. and Ulster are having their own investigation yeah. now. Now, if Ulster were going to give them their careers back and get them straight back in, they would. Yeah, and I just don't believe that that's going to happen now. Yeah. I think whether they did or they didn't, yeah, they've been acquitted, but in a lot of people's eyes. Uh, probably wrongly in my opinion that they're they're guilty yeah and, that, and that's, that's the wrong that's, yeah. that's what's going to kill their career now rightly or wrongly I'm not getting into that I don't care mm. but business reasons they're not in my opinion because there'll be so much furor around them playing again for Ulster or even they'll never play for Ireland I think without a shadow of a doubt but it'd be just too much of a PR disaster for both businesses for them to give them any career now if they end up somewhere around the world playing, fair enough, I don't care. But I think in Ulster and in Ireland, I don't think it's going to happen for that alone. Look at Chet Evans when he came back. The amount of clubs that eventually said no because so much of their fans went, you cannot end a story. Um, so that's why I don't think it's going to happen, regardless of whether they are innocent or not. Obviously, they've been proven. But it's. I think it's irrelevant now. It's a PR nightmare if they mm-hmm. were in the jersey again at the red hand of Ulster, I think. Yeah. But then again, let's, let, let's, we're not going to go into the case. But let's say they're... They've been acquitted. They're, say they're a hundred percent innocent. Mm-hmm. They're still going to be tired with the brush of for the rest of their lives. Of 100%, yeah. more than likely, they probably did it. Probably did you no, know, and they're going to be outcast. Yeah. So it's it's a tough one. It's a bit in, like in, in a funny way. If they are innocent than at all, it is hard that their life is potentially completely ruined mm. in the sense that they now they don't get to do what they're good at anymore and get a good wage. People, a lot of people, be like, good enough for them. Blah blah blah. And as I said, that's the stuff that I'm not bothered about. I just think the business side of things is the ultimate reason why they're not going to play again. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. I think yeah. yeah, I think they're because as soon as they're allegedly back in the squad, you can imagine it's going to be massive. It'll be huge, big business in the sense of the marches, the protests. People will go nuts. Yeah, it's and a- I think the Ulster rugby will stay away from it, and hence, obviously, Ireland will definitely not be around. No, I think that's gone. I think that's definitely gone. Uh, it's certainly an eye-opener for a lot of professional sports players here yeah. in Ireland because over in England they're used to this. Yeah. This kind of thing happens and they, they try to protect themselves and lot of, there's a lot of stupid people over there yeah. as in players and stuff get themselves in tricky situations. This hasn't really happened in Ireland before no. and this is the first one of it because rugby stars now are they're stars. are equivalent of Premier League yeah, footballers exactly, obviously yeah. the good soccer players are in England. Yeah. So, yeah. so these are the top of the world, like second best team yeah. in the world. So they're the top players in the world. So all of a sudden now these lads have to look at their careers in a whole new light. Yeah. Don't get yourselves in situations where you're, you're, you're going to be, you know, I suppose, not that, I'm not, again, we're not commenting on it, but just don't get yourself in, in situations. Uh, if you're If you're in a situation like that, again, after all this, it could probably be the reason is because it's you know you're you wanted it. Fame is a great thing and it's a killer thing as well. So mm. uh, I think we'll uh, talk about something a little different, will we? Uh. Yes. 
Irish Grand National is on a Monday and the horse dentist turned it off so I can't hear it now <laughs> oh you can't hear it hold on no, I'm up. glad what are we talking about <laughs> hold on The Irish National's on a Monday, everybody. Now, anyway, <laughs> now, listen, the Irish Grand National's on a Monday. And the reason why uh, I want to talk about it is Gordon Elliott has 13. The superstar trainer that he is at the moment. 13 out of the 30. So he nearly has half, half the field. So, but don't go for his favourite horse because usually the favourite of a massive stable like that tends not to win. It's the guy with surprisingly long odds that comes true I'd be careful everybody it's funny you said that because this is what I'm going to bring up yeah Gordon Elliott was talking to a fella that I work with right because they who walks his dogs no 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 cats they, no. they're up and <laughs> both play golf up in the K yeah. club so they're in there having drinks and all <laughs> and they he asked him what was his horse for the you know the grand, or for the, uh, Cheltenham and he told him uh, flawless something escape that's mm-hmm. what it was this one is just so big, so huge, you know, it's, he's, he's doing absolutely amazing and training and all. If I was doing now, and he talked them up to the hilt. And of course, our fellow went around, told everyone that this is a big horse. And what did he do? Uh, he came in about 14th or 15th <laughs> and his other horse won. Now, was he in the national? No. Because I was but, about to say, I bet you win that one now. Yeah, <laughs> conveniently. <laughs> conveniently. So never listen to a trainer and, there is no tips out there that and be weary as I said the mid-range to long-range horse of his stable will probably win this I guarantee you <laughs> so McManus and all them screwed us over in Punchtown years ago <laughs> yeah. there was, it was like a five horse race four of his were in it there was two that were like 100 to 1 they were nobodies and they romped it and Punchestown went ballistic Did ballistic because the two favourites didn't even show up they were, they were, they, they literally came out of the trap or traps they, they, they passed the line at the start and just sauntered and Everyone said this is the dark side of the race and like no there were way. nobodies and they romped home like champions. Well So be careful. He has thirteen in it. Uh, I think last year Bill Mullins probably has the other seven. Five hundred thousand is the prize money in this. So oh it's, it's a, a it's a massive huge race. race. It's a huge race. Huge race. Desert Orchid won it one year. The famous Desert Orchid, yeah. Yeah, that's Back right. It's a big race. No. Champion trainer Willie Mullins has yet to win the Irish Grand National. Exactly. So he's so won it. He's gonna have uh, he's gonna have a big call in this. But the f- big thing that I remember about the Irish Grand National, because it's around Easter, I remember us betting our Easter eggs on the races. Oh, so yeah. you break off a bit and, you'd, <laughs> and yep. every race you'd put it on the thing and you, you, you'd oh, lose, lose half Magic an egg. Cart. Who? I doubt with a few, Magic few Cart, I remember him, yeah, yeah. 33 to 1, Dave behind the bar gave us all a tip. He was mad into the horse and stuff and we were the only ones who jumped on it. No me, Ken and Gary, we were all there and all the elbows in the bar and... Uh, the race is happening and we're all just sitting there and slowly but surely I can feel the push on the shoulder because Gary's getting excited going look and I'm like, shut up shut up shut up no one else is really cheering or anything all of a sudden it's looking like he's going to do it and all of a sudden the three of us are like <laughs> and the whole pub are looking at us going what the hell oh he's kept that quiet I said Dave behind the bar has been telling everyone 33 to 1 I think we all stuck like 20 quid each so we no won 660 way, or whatever it was but by the end of the night we'd won thousands Oh Everyone yeah, yeah. T- <laughs> the lads over there they're throwing money around <laughs> it's nobody's business oh man we won thousands oh we all took a hundred on each like we it was brilliant and it snowballed into a mad night because I think we went down ultimately I think it was a big Easter game I think it was United and Chelsea yeah 
I think that was the real reason why we went down. But we went down early and ah, jeez, what a night. But I made sure to have a few quid in the pocket because I knew I wasn't. I was going to go home in the States. So me man got a nice little Brucey bonus that night. There you go, there you go. Sorry, sorry, sorry about you. Because I woke up the next morning with nearly nothing in it. And of course, me man was like, oh yeah, thanks for last night. It's like, damn it. Did I give you everything? <laughs> so uh, yeah, great day. Uh, but that, the horse racing is always good. It, 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 as, it's long great as, as long as you're not... Uh, I was a bit responsible. Addicted to it. It's great fun, yeah, and when, exactly. you, when you get the wins like that, it, it can make your night or make your day. So, um, we'll go on to yours. Uh, Ari Gadazi's crying on camera. Does it make you happy? Um, it, it doesn't make me happy, but it makes a lot of people happy. Oh, it makes me happy. But I tell you one thing, it certainly makes the English happy. Um, listen, in relation to them being sad and emotional, I get it because it's their dream. It was always their dream to put the baggy green cap on and play for Australia and now it's potentially gone but that's where the sympathy ends it's their boy it, like because us men as we all know we're big kids so the big kin of them has been crushed now because their dream is gone that little bit I feel sorry for the rest of it not a danger because the way they carry on and the way they've carried on for years not a danger mm. you got caught boo feckin who and especially David Warner he's that abrasive Mike Brown style character he's been at it for years and it was his idea and it's blown up all over his face so watching him cry today I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit happy. Well, the thing is, is that I have no sympathy for them. Yeah. I, I do think that it's gone a little bit out of proportion. When you're, the Australian president is talking about it, you're yeah. going, what are you talking about? What are you getting involved for? Shut your mouth and go back and Cricket run the country. Massive. I understand you know that. the way we went bananas about Roy Keane? It's the exact same for them. It's as yeah. big as that. And I'm telling you, Sean, it's as big as that. Yeah, but I still don't think there's a need to be involved because what it's actually well, doing... for Bertie to be potentially involved and everyone's giving out their opinion. It's the what, same thing. Yeah, but what it's actually doing is it's putting more pressure on the governing body, Australian governing yeah. body, to enforce probably an oversized, um, I suppose, I don't know what the fine is, but I know that they're after being banned for a year. Yeah, but that's with Cricket Australia. That's not with the international. Like, usually guys only might get a game or two. It's actually quite light what tends to happen a year yeah yeah. this is from Cricket Australia they've banned the lads yeah more so than the ICC which is the yeah but it's still a ban of a year yeah which is huge in the sense that they don't usually get that much no maybe that'll deter people from the Mm. future maybe that's what you look at you look at but it's the precedent that's been set including Darren Lehman and Darren Lehman quit after he's seen the lads crying and he started crying as well the coach yeah he's quit now but the precedent was set when he came in it was that typical stereotypical brash Aussies and they went for it and it's wide open now if they did it once what's to stop them have done it for the last few years but aren't they aren't they have they been I mean, there's a lot of sledging and stuff like that that goes on they in the game. And these are one of the, the higher lads. Years, they've they? been known for pushing it. And yeah. everyone does it. And I'm sure everyone will jump in and say it was way worse back in the day when the cam- when the microphones weren't in the stumps and whatever. It doesn't matter. It's It's been obvious what they've been up to. And it's been obvious what David Warner was always up to. And if, if it was somebody else, he'd be the first one on Twitter giving up both barrels right now. He would be forced on it, giving up both barrels. So he deserves what he gets. And I'm a little bit happy of all people to see him. But at the same time, they lied again. Even when they came out, they lied. They said it was tape. It wasn't. It turned out it actually was sandpaper. Yeah. And so they still tried to make it out. I was a bit of tape and I was trying to get some dirt. It ended up being sandpaper. And of course, we all know that'll do proper damage on a ball and proper effect in the way it'll get the right swing for them. And obviously, they hammered the English. And of course, the English are jumping on it now going, they could have easily done it to us in the Ashes series. In fairness, Sky Sports News could have a channel dedicated to it at the moment, couldn't they? So it could have happened for it to be just a one-off because I'm not being bad. I know a little bit about cricket, but... It's not the series of all series to do this. 
So if you're going to do it, you do it at the Ashes or you do it against the number one ranked test nation, if you know what I mean. Because there is no kind of World Cup for test matches. Yeah. So that's what makes me think, is this something that's been done a few times? Because it doesn't make sense why today, why this game, mm. if you know what I mean. So that's why it's like, will we chance around and this could be the way it goes forward? It could have been the first time they tried it and it blew up in their face, but there would have been a long-term goal for this because for this one random game, I don't get it. No, I don't get it. But it's, it's not... It's, I mean, you have to be a bit brain-dead, don't you? I mean, everywhere now has cameras. You can't even walk down the road yeah. in, 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 down the street channels, without cameras being around. So They're good enough. That's what I'm saying. But the Australian team are good enough. They don't need to do this. So has this kind of pegged them back to go, listen... But I think that's why it's You can't huge. do what you want. I think that's why it's huge because they don't need to do it. Yeah. They're that good enough and they have that much talent. They don't need to, but it's the attitude, the way they give off that typical brash arrogance over the last few years. So that's why a lot of people are taking great pleasure in watching them getting the biggest slap in the face and bringing shame to the game and more importantly, shame to Australian cricket, which puts itself up at the top. We'll be back after the break. <laughs> Well, good. I nearly said good afternoon. Well, I did. I've just have. It's good morning. It's Easter Sunday here on 96.4 and this is the big kickoff in Liffey Sound. Listen, Ryan Giggs has made his debut. They're over in China. Getting they their two couple games, of didn't they? Yeah. Um, obviously, Gareth Bay went over because that's where the, the million pound bonus was and all that. And good luck to him. And he started off. But I, I was reading an article during the week and I just seen two quotes which basically kind of consolidate a lot of what we talk about if anything, what he said, it's kind of like, this is what we're trying to get at with O'Neill and this is what I'm getting at with a lot of managers. You know, you have to be adaptable and it's not just, this is the way I do it and that's the end of it. But he basically was being interviewed over there in China and he said, I played in the first game three at the back with wing backs and the second game I played four at the back when we didn't have the ball and switched it to exactly the same as in the first game. So for two reasons, really. One, we thought it was the best way to go about making it difficult for Uruguay. So we treated the one game as it was. But then he said, second, we're building for the future. We don't just want to have one formation. Yeah. We want to be able to be flexible, depending on the players available and who we're playing against. Yeah. So pretty common, much, to common sense. Yeah, pretty much everything we've been banging on about. Like, as I said, 80% of who we play are our level and less. We need yeah. to play a lot like that a lot of the time, not this... Let's all put everyone back. But play the same way against very one Very simple stuff. Every team, yeah. Depends on who I have and who we're playing against. And that's the way it should be. Um, and obviously, maybe, hopefully, last Friday was the start of that with, with Ireland. But obviously, O'Neill won't tell you that maybe till it starts to work or something. Yeah, because obviously, yeah. he's been a bit... He's still a bit frosty, I'm sure. And still, he's a bit cagey with talking with the press at the moment. Because obviously, most of them are out to get him. And are, most, of, most of them are out to moan about the current situation. But it's time to move on, I suppose, in a way. But it's kind of like, hopefully, if he has that same attitude... We might uh, we we obviously might talk about about Ireland more positively. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Ryan Giggs does with yeah. Wales again. Like his Chris name has got him in the door now. Prove that you actually can do it. I think personally, I think Chris Coleman probably overachieved with Wales. Yeah. He got a great bond together. He had the superstar player that's yeah. in there, but the players that he had there were 
Irish level. Well, apparently it's come out now. He's uh, he very much the rebel rouser. He'd be roaring and shouting at them with a day or two to go. The, the night before a game, the morning of the game, I want you to watch all uplifting movies and he'd be shouting out like, watch Remember the Titans or watch any given Sunday in the one inch. He was mad for all that kind of stuff and really right. get them Getting up into them a crescendo and the whole lot. And you could probably see that in him while gigs will be probably the polar opposite. It'll be very much calm and collected and his own personality will come out. But that's come out now. That's what... Coleman used to get up to to really yeah. probably maximise because he knows he does have that two or three quality players but the rest of it is very much Hard middle walk. of the road yeah. so he has to make sure that they're up for it because if they're not up for it the good players can't drag them along no no. so it obviously worked and, and good luck to him and uh, just talking about Chris Coleman Sunderland got their <laughs> first win and what a trouncing it was against and Derby and O'Shea have scored so there's something John wrong. O'Shea there's something wrong in the world years. if they're back scoring well, because uh, it's not a rant it's just O'Shea's top top career finished a long long time ago but yeah. the word legend's been coming out all week and I'm like listen Gray he nuts Redondo or whoever it was and he's still living off that Figo oh Figo was it yeah I've seen the video oh sorry Redondo done a crazy trick with Real Madrid I remember that one oh, yeah but listen I think not, I'm going to be fair to John O'Shea John O'Shea has, I'd be fair to him as well but I'm just bored of the overhyping of a legend career. Paul McGrath would have been a legend because exactly. he was a quality, yeah. unbelievable player. John O'Shea was a good player for him. Yeah. And to be honest, in fairness, he was a very good player for Manchester United. I think his get, problem at United, like a lot of players, he became decent at a few positions and therefore he was never able to specialise one. But he did play more often. Than oh, not. but it was shadow of a doubt mm. because of that. Because if midfielder struggling would stick in John O'Shea. Right for left full, yeah. And as much as that gave him a great career, you know, unfortunately it kind of petered out because he was never going to be the guy when it when this he was never going to be the centre half or the centre midfielder. But listen, every team has that. And in fairness to him, he's adaptable and he, he had a great career with Ireland and obviously the, the famous goal against Germany. But it's uh, it's interesting. Now all of a sudden he's saying I never said I'm going anywhere. Yeah. Apparently he came out and this is before the game. So it was ironic then that he went and scored. But he said he's in great nick and he's not exactly he hasn't admitted that he's finished up at the end of the year. Right. So where it spiralled, I'm not too sure. Well, it's certainly up to Chris Coleman whether he's finished or not. So, Oh, absolutely. Are they going to stay up? Ooh. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. The first thing when I seen that result, I was on Sky Sports News last night and I, see, I was seeing the goals going, going in. And Richard Keogh. When I seen... Yeah, Richard Keogh made in there, suddenly. Uh, when I seen the result come up, I went, that is going to give them a platform now to build on. That's a confidence booster. If yeah. they get another win under their belt in the next game... Or even don't don't get beaten. All of a sudden, a little bit of momentum can start here. So it really comes down to the next game. If they lose the next game, it could fall apart again. It's really so. It's a chance to build something. So do they have a chance? They always have a chance, but it really does depend on the next game. I don't know who to play next. Have you ever game. been in the office and uh, you're working away, and then all of a sudden that night you end up playing professional sports? No, no. In Chicago, Scott Foster, accountant by day. Goaltender for the Chicago Blackhawks that night. What? Yeah. <laughs> a few hours ago, I was sitting on a computer typing. Now I'm standing in front of you guys having finished 14 and a half minutes of NHL hockey. 36-year-old accountant Scott Foster reacted to the series of injuries that resulted in him making his professional debut. So basically, um, he's part of a group of amateur goaltenders who rotate as emergency cover for the Blackhawks. And... Uh, he usually heads upstairs and watches the games from the press box, has a bite to eat and heads home. So basically a whole story of events where all the keepers literally just fell by the wayside. But he literally found it last minute. By the way, you're no so way. goalkeeper tonight. But then the guy who was the professional number one 
start cramping and he finished off the last period he played the last 15 no minutes way. and he kept a clean sheet oh brilliant so he got the belt usually they give a little a token most clubs have a like uh, the Broadway hat is the New York Rangers they give it to the player of the day so of course it's a kind of like a wrestling belt and he got it for that night but there you go there's hope for us all ha, dream on cracking story dream I just on. had to mention it um, Chinese president Xi Jinping hopes the world's largest <laughs> soccer school that? no yes <laughs> Did you not hear it in my voice? <laughs> that the largest soccer school one day will win them the World Cup. This is, um, oh God, now this is going to be a tough one. I'm going to do it. This is a Gangzhou Evergrande. Is that right? Gangzhou Evergrande. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. They have opened up their new soccer academy over there. And it is huge. Have you seen the pictures of it? No, but I've seen bits and pieces of Chinese football over the last year or two. And obviously with the whole tax thing and, and with the players, they're trying to dress it down now and get rid of them and kind of bring up players because they want the Chinese national team to be there. So I'm not particularly surprised that they well, the, the, this, that they have this thing as big that, as this. This thing that they have is, now the facilities are great. They have 50 full-size grass pitches. <laughs> Right, but yep. they're all you know lions, all, just yeah, just yeah. perfection. Proper, yeah. Right, two th- two and a half thousand students, footballers. All right, and it looks like Hogwarts or something like that. <laughs> it's a Hogwarts. It's a Hogwarts. Yeah. <laughs> Will they be getting over six year old Brazilians so that they'll be there long enough that they'll become Chinese nationals or quite? Possibly. Will it be very localized? I, I, Hopefully, say, it'll still be localized. I'd say, I'd say it'd be totally localized. But when you think about it, like because sheer numbers, like the size of it's over a billion people in China. Sheer numbers, if you can put in. Was it, do you know how many students? Two and a half thousand? Two and a half thousand, yeah. There's no reason why they can't come up with 11 good players. 185 million academy. The cost. That's what they've put wow. into it, just to build the, the place and get the place. Absolutely no It reason. says the school also sits alongside basketball, tennis, volleyball courts, swimming pool, movie theatre, as well as a gym, library, and several canteens. And they reckon that this is probably going to be the biggest, best academy in the whole world. And that's not just the Chinese saying it, that's yeah. basically everyone. And they've brought over 25 coaches from Real Madrid to run it <laughs> there's no messing there they're That's, spending the money but so. yeah instead of it going on your Carlos Tevez they're going back to that way and yeah. trying to produce the best they, they need to have. do that because for national propaganda or for national whatever having them in a major championship they've only been in one World Cup I think it was 2006 was I, remember, I remember yeah, yeah, yeah and it was a big thing and of course yeah. I think they lost all three or mm. oh no I'm, I'm getting mixed up with North Korea North Korea qualified and that was huge um, for them Um but yeah, and speaking about North Korea, um, Liverpool are probably playing United in the summer in the big house, the University of Michigan's ground, which it's going to be a couple of thousand less than when United play Real Madrid, but it'll be like something like 107, but it's actually the second biggest stadium in the world and it's in North Korea, just over 110,000, which I never knew. So there you go. It goes to show you in Asia, they'll they'll pump in the money because they have it and they're going to give it everything. It does say show you that though the marketing from the Premier League has been brilliant because oh, they've massive. they've in America, Asia, even Africa and Australia, mm. it's huge over there. Everyone knows the Premier League. Well, if you look at the German league and stuff oh, it's like the most that, famous by a mile. Yeah, you just wouldn't get it with the other league. Yeah. So they've done well to market it as mm. the best league in the world and obviously mm. results matter. So. And Champions League is doing a good job. UEFA are doing a good job at champion in the Champions League because you hear about it and when you watch some of the American programs when they mention soccer, like they do talk about Champions League a lot because they know it's the elite competition and they do kind of recognise the top, top teams in Europe. Mm. So it'd be probably Premier League's number one and maybe not even another league is number two. It's actually probably the Champions League. It's actually that competition would be number two followed. It's big business now and they pay a lot of money for it as well. Just slightly, I'm just going to barely touch on this. Floyd Mayweather 
back in training for UFC. UFC. Yeah. He's, pra- he's, he's, oh, he's, he's back in training and he's he's he's, pra- he's practicing. I'm not paying a penny for it. No, but I can't wait to see him. Now, listen. If it was a true fight, I'm not going to be super bold here. But if it's a true fight, he should get back. I don't know if it's the McGregor one though. He is going back into training. He doesn't know what he's Allegedly, going to do. Yeah. But this is what he's 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 looking to do. But it's, it does say here he's hoping to fight this year. Yeah. So I mean, if, again, that would make a mockery of the UFC, wouldn't it? I is the is the UFC going to fall apart? I don't know. This goes to show you how desperate they are, and this is the whole Joshua deal with Dana White and stuff because they're desperate. Um, instead of putting out good quality fights, they're more going. It, it's it, see, they're is it in like, between. They're is it half like wrestling, half wrestling, yeah. where we need the drama, but we also need good fighters. Yeah. And unfortunately, the good fighters are slipping away and the drama guys are coming back in, like Brock Lesnar's rumoured to be coming back and all this crack. And now, Joshua, I thought they were trying to get into the boxing game, but the rumours are they're actually trying to get him into the octagon. Yeah, I don't. It's going to have to be... Which I, I know it's it, monstrous I think money. It, I would but lose Josh, a lot of respect for Joshua. Jo- I think he, everyone if would. If he ended up in an octagon, I'd have no interest in listening to a single word he had to say. I, think, I think he'd lose a lot of respect for himself. Because yeah. uh, he's making... Boku money, yeah, absolute bucket loads, and he's going to make bucket load tonight. Obviously, this is where we suppose we might as well briefly talk about it because we can only predict. But if you're listening, it already we, happened. Obviously, it's so. already happened. So Joshua Parker is on tonight on Saturday night, but obviously it's Sunday morning. So whoever's victor is victor. But um, deep down, I fancy Joshua, but at the same time, you just don't know because you can't because it's a, it, it, you know yourself with definitely with heavyweights, it's a one punch game can turn yeah. out to be. You know. Like, so. You know, they're both quite similar in the sense that they're undefeated. Three quarters of their career, they were never really tested. I I watched the program this morning, AJ's knockouts, and it was literally every single fight. And the first 15 were great cannon fodder from They were just bums. They were really bums who were very much bent out of shape and were just sitting there just to be punching bags from yeah. Um But he went up a level very quickly, got the world title a lot quicker than expected, and he stepped up to the plate. But the beauty of the Klitschko fight, as big as it was, and it's put him up as a superstar now and put boxing back on the front page, well, the front of the back pages, I should say, um, it showed enough of a chink in his armory that it's not a foregone conclusion, foregone conclusion tonight mm. because he punched himself out for a few rounds and a, a younger, fitter fighter probably should have finished him. That's the one Klitschko let him go in the end. Is, so that's why tonight is still an interesting fight because there's that potential again. Is... We won't talk too much about that because... It's a guess. It's a guess. But has the heavyweight division all of a sudden got interesting? It's what drives boxing. Simple as that. People can dress it up all they want. The great fights that are good old-fashioned scraps are all down in the middle to lower divisions where the Mexicans and all them guys that Joyce are love so much. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're the great fights where they're the fights of the year. But the big spectacles, as we all know, and even from growing up, it was the heavyweights because of that drama of... Yeah, this guy should kill him, but at the same time, look at the size of the other guy. One lucky punch to that head, it's game over. And that's what happens. And it does happen. It's the scenarios, isn't it? Yeah. Who can Parker be? Who can Joshua be? They're against the whole type of players, fighters. You want to see the six foot seven guys and people that don't walk the streets all day, like like against the grain. Not necessarily freaks in nature, but they're against the grain of what our our normal five foot, ten, six foot general people. And it's fascinating. And they're monsters, 16, 17 stone and muscle. Like, uh, um, Joshua's a stone lighter than he's been for his last couple of fights. So mm. he's taking it serious because I'd say somebody told him, yeah, maybe you were carrying a bit too much weight. And then maybe that's why he punched himself out yeah. for them few rounds. Yeah, yeah. So, and Parker's as light as he's been for a long time as well. 
So it'll be an interesting, probably, be home probably pacey game or yeah. fight. Um, ah, because yeah. if you have that much energy, you, you can go that little bit yeah. longer, but you might start off that little bit quicker too, yeah. you know? So it'd be interesting to see what way it starts. And again, you, you get Wilder coming into the uh, equation and then, you know, Tyson Fury. There's Tyson Fury. It's interesting White because who, he's just Tyson who, Fury. Dillian White is coming back a little bit, who jo- Joshua obviously fought. And Dillian White caused him a lot of problems. And if he was to treat it more seriously, which I think he is, and get himself a bit trimmer, he could kind of get back into the mix. And then, of course, there's um, David Price, who is very funny. He actually put Joshua down in training. He's a big lad, Years ago. But... He's just had a nightmare career. Yeah. Now, I mean a nightmare career. And this is do or die for him. He's on the undercard today against Alexander Povetkin. And it's, it's win or bust. Now, I'm not saying he's going to go straight to the top. But to have a decent career, to potentially try and get back there again, he has to do, he's do something. Simple as that. Okay, we go for a break. Welcome back to Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. You're listening to the big kickoff because you want to. Lazzo! Remember that back in the day, 1990s, yeah. <laughs> when we were cultured and we watched other football other than English football? That was a brilliant period when Gaza went over to. Yeah. As I told you this morning, uh, Gazette Dello Sport on the Saturday morning, we all watched it and loved it. But apparently he was supposed to be the main presenter. I, and he was supposed to be the man. I can't believe that. Well, I can't and believe it. Well, the more I thought about it, I could believe it. But I could never believe it working. Oh, yeah. And of course, they, they it knew it quite quickly. And that's why James Richardson came to the fore. He was a producer on the show and had no interest. And Gaza was late or couldn't show up for one of the the bits of this, uh, the show that they were doing. Now, obviously, he was featured quite heavily in it and they were... They did a lot of features with him and a lot of funny features and you can find them on YouTube, especially when I think it was a leopard or there was a leopard or a cheetah or something and he kept fidgeting and kept moving and of course Gaza couldn't finish the interview because he was basically shitting himself. But uh, Richard ended up being the main man and now obviously he's known as Mr. Italian Football amongst other things and he has, still has his own stuff. But anyway, BT Sports um, do a lot of uh, Italian coverage now and they did a vote of over 120,000 votes online for the uh, team of the 90s. And uh, I'm going to go through it now because there's some blatant omissions. And uh, just to hark back for a few minutes about the glory days of Italian football. Hold on for a second. Oh. Oh, so anyway, fairly <laughs> straightforward. That takes me back big time. Now, I'd say he creeps into it, but just, and I don't think I'd have a problem with it, but in theory, some of these could be like, they just crept in, but Buffon probably wouldn't, he's been in the game for about 20 years, so he would have just crept in in the late 90s, but they wouldn't have been blessed with great, great, great goalkeepers in the 90s anyway, so I'm not going to be bitchy about that one. Who was the keeper when Ireland played him in the, remember, oh, Walter yeah, Zenga? Uh, uh, no, well, Zenga was in 90. 
he was a legend. Then there was Pagliuca, Marcus Gianni. They were dodgy keepers. That's why they were all in and out of the team. So I suppose Buffon won't be... Yeah, if Zenga was, was named in it, I wouldn't have a problem. He'd be the only one that I'd probably replace him with, so... Whatever about that one. Cafu, right back. Don't think there's much of a problem with that one. No, Cafu. Yeah, fair enough. Left back, I think, without a shadow of a doubt, Paolo Maldini, who was the one and only. Paolo was there for billions of years. Ah, think, wasn't he? So he could have made any decade. devil that he was. <laughs> Beautiful eyes. I was watching him. I, Piercing blue eyes. I was watching the last minute goals because Adam's fascinated by Aguero's last minute yeah. goal right yeah. and I says well, you, you don't know last minute goals mm. of course I, I was showing him the um, Manchester United 99 yeah, Champions yeah, League yeah, yeah. and then I showed him Liverpool yeah. and Maldini got the first goal in the first minute that's right. that goal yeah and he, and he, and he, he couldn't tell the difference between Crespo and Maldini <laughs> the hair but anyhow yeah so. uh, the two centre halves here's where here's where straight away you're going to jump on it but um Two absolute quality centre-halves, of which you can't deny, and an incredible partnership, uh, Cannavaro and Nesta. But who's missing? Brazing, isn't it? Exactly. Without great. So that's one of the things where people have jumped on. But we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute, because I'd say where, because it's been 20 years, a lot of people are just remembering who kind of played there, but they were the best players, so we put them in. But Brazy mm. was the best, without a shadow of a doubt. I know he played a lot of 80s, but... For the first, he played till 96, 95, 96. Yeah, he would have halfway he through the, the 90s. Yeah, of course. And yeah. even uh, Costa Corta beside him. He was unreal. Brilliant. It was a phenomenal partnership. So he could even sneak in. But anyway, they went with Cannavaro and Nesta, which is fine. Not too bad because they were unbelievable centre-halves. Anyway, out on the right in midfield, Ruud Hullet. Hard to complain. There. Yeah. Frank Reichard in the middle. Hard to complain. Edgar Davids. Now, Davids I'll tell you why I'd have a problem with that now because they have Zidane out on the left. So obviously... It was predominantly centre midfielders. So they're the four that made it. There's one obvious omission. The divine ponytail himself. Baggio. Roberto Baggio. Because there's two more positions to go. But ba- Baggio will be seen more of a centre forward. Well, his protege or the guy who came in after his made it, made the 11th, Del Piero. Oh, so it was one or the other they were probably thinking. Because I think what way they did it was, here's four players, whoever gets the top goes into this position. Is this a thing where you f- people forget about the player furthest away. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. But Baggio, as good as Del Piero was, Baggio was a different a different kettle of fish, I think. Yeah. And then the other guy was Ronaldo. The Ronaldo. Brazilian oh, Ronaldo. Oh, Ronaldo. Now, that's where a lot of people are saying, yeah, not an issue. He's got 42 goals in 58 games for Inter. Yeah. Would I you know. believe? Even though it's where, that's where his career, unfortunately, started to unravel with the injuries. That's when he got his first bad knee injury. But there's a lot of people giving out going, yes, it was two years of brilliance and whatever. But there was players who were there for the full 10 years who probably should have got ahead of him where it's a case of, yes, he was the best forward, but maybe not necessarily in Italy. Because do you know who would be an absolute Italian legend? Well, I would have thought... Uh, Are you going to say it? I don't know if I'm going to say the same, but the one that jumps into my head, he's from Lazio, is Signori. Beppe Signori, obviously he, he, he was one he of them. Was, he was banging But this guy head. was Argentinian. Oh, Batistuta. Yeah. Batty goal. Ah, oh, stuff. Do you know what I mean? Stuff. Absolutely. This is, he's a statue, not outside, inside on the pitch. Isn't it in the pitch? Just Because they have a huge archway. I think it's actually at the back of the goal. Like, that's how much, like... He's a hero. So I probably would give him a nod over Ronaldo. doesn't mean I think he's a better player. Without a doubt, Ronaldo mm. was a far better striker. Yeah. But for the 90s team of Italian football, I'd probably go with Batty Stewart. Yeah. No. But Van Basten. 
Van Basten, yeah, I think. Van Basten. When you start legend. saying Hullet and Riker, yeah, you have to put Van Basten in exactly. because it's very hard, though, isn't it? Because another legend, George Weah. Yeah, but they had they had the cream of the crop. Them, yeah. Italian football players the money. went. They had the money. They, they were the only. That was it. Yeah. The ones that had the money. So there's just one or two, and Dimitri Albertini and centre midfield maybe ahead of. The likes of Davids and stuff, is he there just on reputation or was he that good? In, in, in fairness, in Davids was good though. Oh, without a doubt, but yeah, no. was it more Ajax? Was he that influential? I don't remember him too much at Juve. I, yeah, when he, in around that time. Obviously, Zidane would have probably grabbed most of the headlines. Just before Man United were, got, won the Champions League, Davids and Zidane and, and, and the likes were dictating it then. Yeah. But yeah, it's very hard now yeah. to leave other people out that. Yeah, but without. Going into great, great detail. I think Baracy is a massive omission. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's that's blatant. Um, Baggio. They'd be the two biggest ones for me. Baggio Del Piero is a tough one, though. It is it? a tough one. Because Del Piero had, was so good for so long. But what I'm saying is, of the 90s, like Del Piero kind of came in at the end I think I and went, went into 2000s. I think I would have went 4 3 3. And fit the two of them. And fit the two yeah, of them. There you go. Yeah. And then would you swap back? You still for Ronaldo, just on pure 90s Italian football. I suppose if you're going to say but he, not did it, he did it over a long time in World Eleven, you wouldn't you'd go if you're Ronaldo going to, I'd go Ronaldo anyway. of course you would yeah of course you would but Batistuta if they're talking about someone who has a legacy in the Italian game yeah. you'd have to say Batistuta because yeah, as you said the only reason you don't get called bat a goal for no yeah. reason whatsoever he, that, he, he did the business there he's incredible now I was going to play a clip of Ibrahimovic but we're actually getting close to now for uh, the Barry Prendival interview oh, so okay. I think we, we, we'll go to a song we'll finish with him just, we'll, just, we'll just talk about it here that uh he he's at the game on tonight, as in Saturday, or is it on tomorrow night? It's on the weekend, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> the LA Derby, everyone. So whatever about Monster, and he's Leicester, available. This is the biggest game of the weekend. He's available. So, but what was his famous quote last night? It's the the lion is hungry. Yeah, the lion is hungry. <laughs> <laughs> you have to. I didn't like him before he joined Man United, and I know why I didn't like him because if you don't, if you don't know his general inter interaction with the media and all you just think he comes across as arrogant yeah. where he actually comes across is just full of confidence and a bit of it's tongue in cheek a bit of comedy in it as well because isn't you see it? Him yeah. more often now being interviewed you realise like he's entertained himself here That's exactly yeah he believes it, it but he also knows people are going to laugh he, yeah, and yeah. think what an idiot but he's loving that Loves it. So good luck to him. So I actually hope he does great. Characters oh, like it. Yeah, I hope, and we need more of that in football, don't and we? And for American, uh, for the American sports, sports entertainment as they call it, it's not even American sports. He will be massive if he does well and gives all those kind of sound bites. They'll lap it up, and he could be the potential star to push it another little level because it's it's around to stay now. American football, uh, American soccer, I should say. Yeah. It is around to stay, but it could potentially push it that little bit higher now. Um, and obviously the big LA Derby with the with the LAFC, where Will Farrell amongst Mia Hamm and a few others that have the, have a share in the team. And they have um, Joe Moutinho and a few others. But yeah, big LA Derby, because that's what they were trying to do to grow the game as well. Mm. To start putting teams close by, so there's local kind of territorial derbies. So, uh, yeah, now they have two LA, so it'll be big. I didn't think we'd have a bit of time, but I think we do, actually. So, we'll play. You want to play? We'll just play a minute. <laughs> this thing was supposed to happen a couple of years before, but it didn't. But I'm here now, so the destiny was that it was supposed to happen. The question was only when. So, happy to be here. Finally, I'm here, and uh, I'm just excited, looking forward to play, and... Uh, just want to go out on the field. I know it has been a long break for me where I haven't been in my rhythm, where I play 
every day almost because of the, the injury I had. But now it's like I just want to go out, smell the grass, touch the ball. Today when we finished the training, I just wanted to continue. I even asked the coach, can I go and shoot some balls there? And he gave me okay. So I went over and I shot. So I feel, I feel young. I said once before, I feel like Benjamin Button. I was born old and I will die young, this is for sure. So just to say, don't worry about my age. I know I'm 37, but when I came to England, they all said I was old. I came in a wheelchair. After three months, I conquered England and they say I was flying. So this is only numbers. So I know what I'm able to do. I know what I will do. And I come here to win. I already brought my family, so my wife can take care of the family and I can take care of what I'm good at, playing football. So just to settle in very fast, get to know my teammates, get to know the coach, the people around the club. Tomorrow, big game. And I'm already involved, so I feel, I feel excited. So the lion is hungry. <laughs> but it's great that's the you know yeah. benjamin button you know honest, we're going to start watching mls again of course yeah you well, know because you want to see how he's going to fit in and then you might get pleasantly surprised it's a bit like league of Ireland when these players are going over to england going, Geez, i must throw my eye in it the fact that it's on tv and it's the same thing now with the mls because it's on sky sports um i'm no doubt that game's probably going to be on so people are going to start throwing their eye on it again like when Robbie Keane was over there, you're going to keep an eye on things. So yeah, that's how big he is. People are going to be interested in going to start watching. Okay, we are going to uh, have a little bit of Manic Street Preachers and then we'll be back with Barry Prendival. And welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Joining us today is Barry Prendival, who played his trade as a professional footballer at clubs such as Coventry, Hibs, Air United, St. Pat's, Oldham, Shelbourne and Shamrock Rovers. And he also represented Ireland at the European Football Championships. Barry, welcome to the big kickoff. Thanks very much, lads. Uh, thanks for, for asking me along. No, it's brilliant. We're delighted to have you in. Uh, Barry, the Under-16 Championships with Ireland, what do you remember about it? Did you play well and... Was that anything to do with your move to Coventry? Uh, well, I was under 16s. I was probably went to my first trial at under 14s. So okay. I went to, I was playing like, played for the DDSL uh, under 14s yeah. uh, after moving to Cherry Orchard from Hillcrest in Lucan. Um, and we were a very successful team very quickly. My first year we won the, uh, the treble. Uh, with Cherry Orchard under 14s, won the All Ireland Dublin Cup and then won the league as well. Yeah. Um, so that sort of put me on the map, I suppose. And you know, you know what scouts are like—they're all watching the same players. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I was starting to go on trials at that stage, um, and I went to Manchester United when I was fourteen. Um, Can I ask you something? Yeah. 
did Alex Ferguson come to your gaff? Yeah, he did, yeah. I knew it. Because yeah. I was telling him the story, going, oh, we were out messing one day, and then all of a sudden it was spreading like wildfire. Alex Ferguson's now, Chris, and I went, yeah, he's not. Yeah, yeah, he came over, yeah, and he was just having a chat. He came over to see myself, Stephen Carr, and Thomas Morgan at the time, yeah, so. Yeah, so that was, that was a big mistake. And anyway, he wanted to sign me till I was 18, actually, till I was finished my leaving cert. So I went to Coventry instead. I actually went over to sign for Man United, and um, I was just, I was quite homesick. I don't know, I just, there wasn't, you know, I didn't get my head around moving yet, really. I wanted to be a footballer, but, uh, you know, the whole moving across to the UK, I wasn't really 100% about it, you know that way? So, yeah. um, and there was not many Irish lads there at the time, you know, and that probably would have kind of settled me down a little bit. But I uh, ended up coming home and not signing for them. And then I ended up signing for Coventry, which, which there was plenty of Irish lads, but I'm not sure if it was the right move. The, I suppose the thinking behind that would have been that um, that I would have got into the first team quicker. Yeah. You know what I mean? But really, you know, Coventry were under pressure so much. And I was on the bench for, for Coventry a few times against Liverpool and Southampton and, you know, various other, other games. But, um, you know... I think if you went to somewhere like Man United, you probably would have been thrown at the end of the season after they won the title. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, you were playing with such good players, you were, you were always going to be looking better. It would have been a great I mean? apprenticeship anyway. Yeah, well, yeah, you would have got... You would have, well, I remember when somebody sent to me, or from Man United at the time, saying, you can sign for uh, Coventry after you sign for Man United. Like, if it doesn't work out, you know, you can go to Coventry. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. and that was probably true. Yeah. But I didn't come from a necessarily a footballing background. Um, obviously, I was a good footballer, but didn't come from you know. So I wasn't coming from a football family. We were getting advice from people, but we were sort of winging it, really. To be honest, as, as a family, you know? how did you find that kind of the recruiting process? Obviously, attention from many clubs and yeah. many characters. That like was this was obviously over a couple of years. How how how, how yeah, did that? How did you find it? I mean, the first person that actually approached me was Noel McCabe, who brought uh, Roy Keane to, mm. and that was to go to Forest, uh, and uh, he was the fellow that brought Roy Keane over to Forest. Uh, but he was a Liverpool scout at that stage, in a way. But well, he en- ended up being a Liverpool scout, and he wanted me to go to Liverpool as well. But anyway, long story short, I ended up going to Coventry. Um, but European Championships. So I was going on trials before that. Mm. It wasn't really the what I remember about the European Championships. We, geez, I can't even remember how we did. I know that we played England. I can tell you. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got beat. Did we get beaten? Played three, last, last three. Yeah, yeah. but. It, 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 I think there might have been 16 no, I think there might have been a group of three as well but there yeah. was about 16 teams in. I think right. was it Belgium Czechoslovakia beat us did they yes and England yeah beat us it was One tight day. though tight game so I was playing actually centre forward who was I was playing centre forward you were not yeah yeah I was playing centre forward I was I, I scored a few goals for Ireland under I think it was under 15 or 16 they put me up front and I scored a hat-trick against Northern Ireland and I scored yeah. one against Finland uh, and it was John McGrath remember John McGrath yeah and, yeah yeah um, from Lucan and uh, he was he had me sent, but I was I was asked to sign for Southampton as a centre forward right. and Middlesbrough I went over to Middlesbrough no as a centre forward so uh, maybe I should have done that as well maybe I should have <laughs> yeah, that's where the money is that's where the money is you know so um, Cherry Archer do you know what compensation they got for you 180,000 I think Ooh, 100, yeah. well okay, it's 135,000 sterling okay. okay so okay. that's big money then isn't it that was kind of that's I kind of have vague memories of that. that was one of the first ones where the compensation for well, the urge clubs that it, was. You, you were the, literally I was the guinea pig the yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of it was kind of a weird one because it put me under pressure a little bit because yeah. Ron Atkin was in, uh, Atkinson was the manager I, I signed for Phil Neal as, uh, as, as was at Coventry you know Liverpool's Phil Neal and then um, Ron Atkinson became the manager but like you know, he's kind of a you know obviously not brash personality, but a big personality, you know that way. And he didn't have any problem saying 
who's the Irish, who's the young Irish lad that we're paying two hundred yeah, grand for? Yeah, isn't it? Well, yeah. one hundred fifty grand for. But in fairness, like I, I was playing the reserves at the time, U team in reserves, and he, he saw me play, and I think he was reasonably happy. You know what I mean? It was a small money anyway. I mean, there was fellas on um, thirty grand a week. You know, uh, McAllister and yeah, um, and Dion Dublin yeah. there. So. You know, really, I suppose they probably still didn't want to pay the money. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But at the same time, you know, before that, it was like a couple of grand if the club was lucky and a bag of balls. You know that way. Yeah. So um, it changed everything for the clubs, really. You know that way. Yeah, yeah. But no. it, I suppose at the time, I didn't really appreciate it. As in, I didn't appreciate the fact that it was happening to me. So when you went across, how how did you feel? Did you feel, as you said, there's well, a bit it, of pressure? It, but did you did you feel right now? I'm a I'm a, a professional footballer and. Like, were you focused on football or were you, did it distract you a lot? Well, it didn't actually happen until I was over there. You know, it didn't happen, it didn't happen initially yeah, it when it, you know, it, it happened when I was over there. I think I was over there a while. And then, I'll, then Cherry Orchard, I don't know why they chose my situation to, or maybe Coventry didn't offer them enough. Or they got together and went, you know, this is a high profile schoolboy player. You know, this is our chance to have a go at this. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You know, I wasn't there at the time. I was in Coventry, and I was in Coventry quite a while. And I do remember sort of going, "Oh my God!" Uh, you know, I don't know how this is going to be. There's a bit me. of a fuss here. Do you know yeah. what I mean? You know, but but it, I suppose um, really what I know of English clubs is that the more they pay for you, the more they they uh, value you. I mean, if you if you take a, all the you know, schoolboy kids to go over to the UK, yeah, if they go for nothing. Tend, you know, they treat you less. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. You know what I mean, so right. you're better off going over. There. That's why I, I prefer lads going over older now. Okay, you know, I, I prefer them going over at least nineteen, twenty. Play a little bit of league of Ireland, like Jay Carroll from Lucan here. Um, who else has gone over? You know, there's a few lads that are on that program that have gone over. They've either started the degree and not finished it, or finished the degree. Right. Conor O'Malley, who's just gone yeah. over to Peterborough. Yeah. Um, he was on our course as well. Right. Uh, uh, he, he he did a scholarship in, in Minute. But uh, yeah, he did his degree in pure mathematics. He's a qualified actuary. He's gone over now probably on a couple of grand a week, maybe 1,500 euro a week. Yeah. Okay, subkeeper from Peterborough. But he's a professional because he's been playing for two or three years for St. Pat's. Yeah, yeah. And he's got his education, so it doesn't fall, it doesn't work out for him. He's laughing, you know. Training with Coventry, yeah. with probably decent players at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. What was that like well, for you at the league. time and when you look back at it? Yeah, it was a Premier League club. You yeah. know what I mean? So you're talking about Darren Huckabee, um, David Burroughs, yeah. ex-Liverpool, um, who's a Swedish right back, Roland Nielsen, yeah. played in three World Cups. Yeah. Ah, some great, Darren, you know, Darren, probably to, to Darren Huckabee already. Like, uh, I don't know, What's the intensity like? Is it, is it, is yeah, it intense? Yeah, well, Gordon Strachan became the manager after Ron Atkinson. Yeah. Um, and he was an intense character anyway. Yeah. He liked me as well because, you know, Work, I think he gave me a couple of contracts when I was there. Okay. They weren't big contracts, but like they were kept you on, yeah, kept, kept me going. I was making a decent level of living. Um, but yeah, he was an intense character, always very you know, he came from Alex Ferguson's kind of uh, mold, yeah, yeah, you know. And Alex, I played for Alex McLeish and uh, Alex Fer uh, Gordon Strachan, who both played for um, under, under Gordon Strachan, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So you know, and it's the intensity of training, yeah, he made it very intense. And playing under McLeish and Strachan. Um, you'd know that they play, they worked under Ferguson because where, he, was, where, he was an intense character. Yeah. Where was McLeish? That wasn't Hibbs. That was, was Hibbs, yeah. Was that Hibbs? Yeah, Hibbs. And you did all right, left full? Yeah. No, I played right back. Yeah, right Hibbs. back, yeah, was I it? Scored, uh, that was on loan when I was 21. I, I looked like I was going to play for Coventry and uh, Gordon Strachan pulled me. And I was about 21 and I worked really hard when I came home. Maybe, maybe 20, 21. When I came home, I was I was really worked hard in the pre-season and I was thinking, right, this season I have to do it. You know what I mean? I'd been... 
doing well in the reserves, doing okay. But I said, listen, I, I want to do it now. You know that way. Yeah. I'd seen, I'd been there a couple of years. I got over the homesickness, and I said, I need to do it. So I went back in pre um, preseason flying. You know that way. So, uh, and then Roland Nielsen went down injured actually, uh, and, I, and, I, and we were playing West Ham on Saturday. I can't remember. It was around September time, uh, and I got a I was gorgeous tracking a chat with me, and he said, listen, you could play on Saturday. Yeah, against West Ham, and I was like, right here we go, like, in that way. So, but uh, by the Wednesday, they bought a fella called Mark Edward, Edward Edworthy from uh, from Crystal Palace for I think it was a million and a half, two million. So that was that. And by the Friday, I was at Hibs on loan. Oh shit! And I was and I was playing. So what was the talker though? Uh, you know, when he's talking yeah, to you, you might see, be. I suppose. The, just the preparation, was, just in case. There, the money was there, and he might not fancy me as a player. He might not have thought I had the. You know, mentally had it like you know, but then I went up to Hibs and did really well. You know that way. So, you know, look. And uh, you know, is it true that Hibs just couldn't afford it, or what was? Uh, yeah. So that that's when the money for the Cherry Orchard money came came into play. So right. I think Coventry were looking for their money back. Yeah. Um, I think they looked for one hundred eighty thousand. When I'd never played for the first team, which and like like back to saying guys were on thirty forty grand a week there. And he, they were looking for 150 grand for me, you know that way. So, uh, 180 grand. But so it kind of affected my career because I was going really well. We, we were actually in the first division at the time, uh, Hibs. But we went on a on a on a run. For the time I was there, we went on a run, an unbeaten run of I think 12 games, 13 games. And they went from like fourth struggling, fourth or fifth struggling in the first division, and they ended up winning at that league that year. Right. And I left to go back to Coventry at Christmas. Right. In around Christmas time, this because this is something I found last night. This is a foot.ie. It's just a forum, and uh, Prendival came up. All right, and they're talking about you going. Uh, he says this is my sources, and it has in brackets. Okay, my dad told me that he played one game for air, which is an absolute stinker at left back, mm. which also which also the position he played at Hibs, which is wrong, obviously. Yeah. Fell out with the manager, who was even more unpleasant than Morphy, and got homesick and ended back up in Dublin. How true was that? Yeah, well, I just... Um, <laughs> what happened at Coventry then after that? Like, when I went back, obviously, if, if I was more experienced, uh, you know, uh, I would have just gone in and told Gordon Strack and I was gone. I would have said, make it happen. I'm yeah. gone. I'm gonna get me bags. And I'm gone. If I like, you know, if I was 28 or 25, yeah. But I was 20, 21. I didn't. I'd never been transferred from anywhere before. I didn't really know how the how the thing worked. Really, you know, there wasn't agents around flying around much then either. You know, there was starting to come in. Maybe if you were a top player, you had an agent. But the young fellas at Coventry certainly didn't have an agent. You know what I mean? So yeah. I wasn't being advised. Um, yeah. So where was I? Uh, so you went. The air thing, you kind of yeah, yeah. So well, I went back to, uh, to to Coventry, and then Gordon Strachan wanted me to go to Dundee United, and uh, Dundee, I think he was trying to get me up to Scotland again, and I was a little bit like, well, I'm not going. You have to ruin the last one. I I I, I did, and then they end up leaving, uh, letting a load of the Irish fellas go, a load of fellas go of, of my age group, and I'd sort of. Uh, stayed at Coventry longer than all of my age group you know oh, so there's yeah. a group of 20 players that are your age group to the U team or yeah, whatever yeah. I was the last one there but say there was myself Willie Boland yeah. um, Colin Hawkins uh, Gavin O'Toole Larkin Costello all these guys but there was a group of other players there that were probably English youth internationals and stuff like that as well but he ended up letting us all go right. after looking for the money for me you know not just let you go it. for free yeah just let us go then um, and so there was I had a few options uh, at the time, but Air United actually came up with like huge money for me, and I was thinking Scotland, and I was thinking what well, a small club club in Scotland, I'll do well, maybe you know. But 
I mean, uh, I don't know if you know Air United, do you? Well, I, I know them, of them. I yeah. know little, very it's little. It's a West of Scotland club, and I'm not sure if they like Celtic that much. Oh, right. Right. It's, okay. it's, one, of the, it's right. one of them. But I only, I only, I only realised that when I there. went there. Right. And then the manager was ex-Rangers, right. Gordon, Gordon DL, and I was kind of going, right, okay. And I look, look, I just, it was just a very, very small club. They offered me good money, and I just went for it. It was, a, it was a mistake. Yeah. And, and I suppose I tried to then come home and. Uh, you know, I suppose you know, make up for that mistake and get back into the League of Ireland, which I did do. Which I did, uh, and you yeah. you went to Pats for half a season yeah. and a decent, I think for fifteen games would be right, yeah. and that led back to Oldham. So how did yeah. that happen? Yeah, so when I was playing for really well for Pats, it was probably at the stage of my career where I felt like I could do, I could play against anybody. Yeah, you know. I sort of gone over the disappointment of. Did Pats give you the confidence back? Or? Yeah, it was just training with Amy Collins. Uh, and Pat Dolan was the manager. Mm. Um, I was training with Amy Collins, and um, yeah, like it was like you were home. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like a home playing with your local team then, with your mates. It wasn't your mates. They were still saying Pat's was still you know high level here, but you know a manager, the coaches that loved you, gave you a lot of encouragement. And I suppose I, I'd had a major disappointment, so I felt free then. Do you know what I mean? Just go and play yeah. that way. So, and I was really really fit. So we played against West Ham. I don't know. Uh, you've seen that friendly, but they beat us one 0 Ferdinand, and that was playing a load of like top players playing uh, at that time. Um, and we, we they beat us one 0 But I was flying in that game, um, and then I, I heard that Southampton and Blackburn were interested in me at the time. Right. But you know, you wouldn't. You know, I was hearing it from people that were working in the office at the club right. but I wasn't hearing anything from the manage- management you know that way so would you have, probably was would you have heard that kind of thing before though what do you mean like at different clubs would you have heard that, those rumours yeah that yeah and there's always a little bit of truth in them there probably okay. has been a phone call or well, yeah. you're not being told about it and uh, what have you they're waiting for the 100 grand rather than just to let you go for yeah. a 10 or whatever you know that way so um, but a fella called Pat, uh, Pat Willis who brought me over to Oldham when I was a ch- when I was you know, fifteen? Yeah, uh, he approached me and I said, "Listen, do you want to go back over to Oldham? We still had a connection there." So I ended up going back over to Oldham, doing really well, and they gave me a contract. You know, yeah, and you got instead two years there. So yeah, yeah. Um, did you enjoy that standard? Oh yeah, like that's a good standard. Yeah, you know what I mean, like John when you Sher- compare when you compare that star- standard to the League of Ireland standard that you you played, and yeah. how does it compare? Um, like. It's a lot more, like a lot more teams. Obviously, the, yeah. the leagues are bigger, um, more physical uh, teams. Fitter, um, would they be? I think the top end. You probably could take the top end of the League of Ireland. Probably the top four or five teams. Probably three or four teams, maybe. And they would do all right in those leagues. But okay. it's also grueling seasons over there, yeah, you know, yeah, compared yeah. to over here. But look, it is League of Ireland is a higher standard of football than people give it credit for. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. Right? So. Um, there's a lot of fellas that are good players that can't manage to get into League of Ireland teams when they come back home. Yeah. Um, and thankfully I did. You know what I mean? But but Oldham was Oldham, Oldham was great. Like uh, I was playing with play, uh, Lee Duxbury. Yeah. Um, was a former Man United. Yeah, yeah, Man United, and then and then John Sheridan was there. Darren Sheridan. And John you know. and John went on to manage the club twenty five yeah. times. Yeah. Then after yeah, that, yeah, I think. Yeah, didn't yeah he? that's right. Huh? He's just... a good bloke, though. He's, you know, he he really um, his dad's from I think Paddy Fairmont. Uh, is he from Paddy? Yeah, and okay. he really kind of sees himself as Irish. Where yeah. his brother didn't, you know, it was a bit of a weird one, you know. But John was John was a good guy, but like crazy on the pitch. I mean, but that era was you couldn't get away with anything. As in, 
if you did something wrong, they're you up, were absolutely. I'm talking about slated personally. But yeah. after it, like, oh, how you how you Barry Hills things? You know what I mean? So like it never happened on the pitches, on the pitch. It, it was yeah. But I suppose you would be like that as well a little bit. But they were like just Mental. you know, oh, crazy. Him and his brother. But I think it was an era thing as well, you know, where they were when they were younger, that would have happened to them. So they were just going to bring it on a little bit. Which you wouldn't bit? see that now, you know, with all the farm players. They're no. all going to kiss each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, you know? they'd probably break down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, out of all your football, because you came back to Pats and you had a really good spell with Pats then, and uh, I think you only played a couple of games with Rovers. Out of all your football, which which period did you enjoy the most? Um, to be honest, I, I kind of... Uh, I, I suppose probably that Pats era. You know what I mean? That Pats era where, like, you know, where I... I felt like I could play against anybody, okay. and I thought it was that fit. And uh, and then when I went over to Oldham, I felt the same. What happened was I had a couple of injuries at Oldham. Um, I got a bang on the side of the knee, which was out for a few weeks. Right. And I was flying when I went there, and absolutely flying. Felt just probably the first team. I I'll just maybe scoring goals from right back, whatever you want me to do. Went straight into the first team when I got there, and um, yeah, so I got a bang on the knee, and then it was it was bone bruising, so my the ligament on my knee was flicking over the side of my of the bone, so that yeah. I was out for a few weeks with that. And then there was uh, some sort of foot and mouth thing. And then there was a few weeks there that, that there was no games on. I don't know if you remember that. And then uh, I went straight into the first team when I came back, and we were playing against Peterborough in the FA Cup. And uh, I was marking your man Jason Lee. I remember Jason yeah, Lee. Yeah, yeah, pineapple. And I, I was playing centre half, and I was everything I was beating like in the air all the time, playing fantastically well. The winners of that were going on to play Chelsea. Right. In, in the next round but right at the end of the game um, I felt like someone threw something out of the crowd and hit me in the back of the leg but it's actually my, the attachment on my hamstring oh, snapped no. so and I was out for three or four months with that and I'd only signed a year contract you know so I was thinking because the contract wasn't great in yeah. a way so I was thinking do a year you know play a good year and they'd give me a pro, you know, decent contract but uh, that, that you know, obviously my, that put me on the back foot then I was there for most of the season then after yeah. doing really well and I was flying fit as well Yeah. Um, and then I played the last seven games actually Stoke Graham Cavanagh was in those last seven games but he gave me another year contract All Right. and then what happened was Andy Ritchie was the manager at the time right. ex-man Andy United Ritchie, you know yeah. and uh, like me as, as a player was always put me in when I was available uh, and then I signed a contract to say if I played 12 games in the first team I think it was 12 games, it might have been 15, that I got a new contract, right? So I was thinking, you know, okay, start the season, get a, get a proper contract. So I think we're about we're about uh, 10 games in, and I'm playing, I've played all the 10 games. Hey, Andy, Andy you Richie think this got, is a shoe in? I know where this is going. <laughs> Andy, Andy Rich gets a sack. Ah, oh, no. Andy Rich gets a sack, right? And then uh, a fellow called Chris Moore came with a load of, uh, chairman came with a load of money. He some sort of digital swiping th- company he owned. And he had millions, you know. And uh, so he got rid of the manager. And then a fellow called Mick Wad- Wadsworth came in. I don't know, he used to be Southampton, I think. I don't, I don't remember the name. Yeah. And then he came in and he looked at my contract and never played me again. Oh, that is a... <laughs> and I, I know. It's I know. not surprising yeah. either. It happens a lot. Yeah. He's one game left down. And yeah. ironically enough, well, yeah, we can't say we can't say live. But remember, we had a guest here, something similar last year. He was one game short and all of a sudden he didn't play in the team again. We'll leave yeah. it at that. Yeah, look, like that's football, and, and you know you, you know you can look back and kind of go because I know I was a good player. Do you know what I mean? I know that I was a dedicated player and fast and strong, and I could pass the ball. Um, so you know sometimes you're that close. 
you're that close you know and I, mean? I suppose that's the big thing about football us kind of mere mortals sitting back watching it and we think it's easy you play well you get in the team yeah. but there is so much really. much more to it yeah. there is a background there is a business there is money involved and there is like personalities as well yeah. people have to I like don't like you. the guy a, so ma- I'm not a manager him. might like you he might not like you might yeah. think you're mentally able for it he might he might think you you know whatever you know there could be a financial situation like my one just there yeah you know, you just you just don't know, you know. Yeah, just so know. easy. You finished up. You signed for Shamrock Rovers. You finished up for well reasons that Britain kind of really stated. But was it because you were looking to financially? No, I tell you, um, I had an ankle operation. Um, a pat's. Well, I had, went over an ankle badly at Shelburne. Yeah, and I never really recovered from that properly. Um, I was playing a pat's. Signed for pat's with that ankle problem. And I had an operation then, eventually on the on the ankle, and uh, it didn't help. Yeah. So I was kind of popping anti-inflammatories just right. to just to be able to train. And I went into the summer league then. Right. So you had harder ground, yeah, and obviously, yeah. you know, we were training up at Selvage, and the ground wasn't great. And, and, and then I had a dodgy ankle. I was thinking, oh, well, I want to be able to run around with my kids when I'm older, you know. Yeah. So and I was kind of late twenties, thirty, and then I went to Shamrock Rovers. And um, Pat Scully was the manager, and he was training like five or six days a week. Right. And I was kind of going right. Well, I want to wind down here. Yeah. Maybe looking to do something else. Uh, and but he was um, Pat wanted the lads training five days a week, like five or six days a week, and a match. You know, uh, the first day I was there, the first couple of we- weeks we were there, we played against Galway, and then we did a, a, an hour and a half session after the match because we lost. They got they lost the game. That was my first game. Do you know why? So he was. He's a good manager, but he was, you know, intense. Intense. Very intense. Um, and I probably didn't need that at that stage. I need someone to, like, say, listen. Because, like, I always took care of myself anyway. Yeah. You know, I probably needed someone to go, listen, train on Tuesday, have a light session Thursday. You wanted to be Friday. Paul McGrath. Well, well I'm like, <laughs> but No, but I just want someone to take care of me. I yeah. needed someone to take care of me at yeah, that stage. Yeah, you know, yeah. right? So, uh, right, we'll, uh, we'll take a break, and then we'll come back after this, and we'll talk about where you've gone from there. Yeah, will be. Thank you. You're listening to Liffey Sound on 96.4 FM. And welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Barry, you finished football, then P-Mount and Ballyuster came in. Is that what came next? Uh, I'll tell you, I, I sat at home for a year. Uh, I was a little bit depressed, really. I was like, you know, obviously, after having your full, you know, was my career in yeah. that way. And you're kind of going, well, what do I do now? I had a few... You know, I had some money put away, and uh, I was after moving in with a girl. You know, we had some, we had some small children. I can't remember the timing of it now. Anyway, yeah. we, Ross, I don't think Ross was born, but um, but anyway, we were living in the house together. So I didn't do anything for a year, and I was looking into doing other things. To be honest with yeah. you, I tried a couple of things out. You know, postman, <laughs> a few different things, just to have a look. You know what I mean? To see what you know, I worked in Remax, I think, for a few weeks, and uh, tried a taxi in as well. Oh, hey. Uh, so I'm just seeing what I was going to do for the rest of my life. You know So. Sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> and did it, but it, yeah, P Mount and Bally Ulster. Oh, yeah, so but I, did, I got, wait, did you worry? Um, about at any future. stage, yeah, about the future, yeah, because what I was going to do with the rest yeah. of my life, you know, that way. So I bought a few properties when I was playing, okay, uh, so that was a good thing, you know, that way. So, um, it was an interest I had to keep them going, so it was sort of half a business, quarter of a business, I suppose. But, um, then I, Jim Crawford, the under 18 manager, you know, Jim, yeah, play I do know. He's played over at uh, Shelburne and Reading. Um, he's, he asked me to go over to Fairhouse, and uh, I got a phone call. I was like, "Well, that kind of pet me up a little bit." You know, I hadn't done the coaching thing yet. Yeah. I hadn't done the managing thing yet. So I was kind of going, "Okay, well, maybe." You know what I mean? I've got a lot of experience, and you know, I'd be 
whatever. But then um, I was living in Selbridge and I was speaking to Richie Bailey. You know Richie Bailey? Yeah. Uh, he used to play for Shamrock Rovers and he's involved, he was involved with Bally Ulster for a while. So why don't you come up to us? And then I was offered similar, you know, just a, you know, a bit of expenses, you know, it was yeah. similar to what Fairs were talking yeah. So I, yeah. I said, you know, I'll go up. And I had a good time there, to be yeah. honest with you. It was good. They'd never done anything really. They had never done had great success. So the only way was up. Yeah. And we, we, we actually did really well. And yeah. I enjoyed it. it was local. The facilities were really good. So it just it suited me at the time, you know. So Yeah. And so when did uh, how did you end up in Minute? Was there any connection there or was that just well a bit uh, look? After doing trying out the other jobs, you know, I realised well actually what I'm good at and what I like doing is yeah. football. Um and so I, I I ended up getting, you know, my qualifications, coaching badges and stuff like that. In around that time and stuff like that as well and, and um i was going for fai jobs you know so i went for three or four jobs in the fai didn't get them but i was getting better at the interviews you know because i've yeah. been in it two interviews you know and i was getting better at the interviews as i was going along and um the minute one came up and uh, i looked like i got that one you know and it was just i think it was meant to be you know that way yeah. because it was local to me it was five five or ten minutes away from the house yeah. um and it wasn't partic- particularly well paid right you know but i was in a job you know, I had an Unhappy. office. I had an office, and I was, you know, going. I was going somewhere, you know, rather than nowhere. You know what I mean? So, so what? What is the job? What's the course? And what? What is it looking to achieve? Well, it's not really a course as such. Uh, it's a university. Yeah. Obviously, Minute University. Uh, we have, um, you know, science, business, business management. We don't have any sports courses. Okay. Not yet, anyway. But it's a it's a univer- it's a big university with you know a thousand staff. 1200 students yeah it's, it's a big university um but there's no soccer course okay what they do is they do a degree uh in whatever they want um and then they are on soccer scholarship so they okay. you know we give them some funding depending on what they've done um, they get a 60 point concession of their cao uh if they get over 300 points okay so they have to get a minimum of 300 points or else they'd probably struggle in university yeah and um, but once they get over the 300 points we can give them the 60 point concession. So if okay. they have uh, for uh, the course they want to do is 400 points and they get 340, they get in and can do that do that course. And I suppose it just acknowledges the fact that they've put so much so much time into the football. Yeah. Um. So we train like say probably certainly once a week, but they're, they're probably playing with the League of Ireland clubs as well. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. We train once or twice a week, and uh, we play in the College and University Football League, and then we play in the Collingwood as well. Um, which is after Christmas, you know, but that's just the men's, you know, okay. there's the women's as well. They played in separate, uh, well, the College University Football League, but they play in, say, a thing called the Intervarsities, which is their cup competition yeah, yeah, in yeah, a way. So yeah. what we're trying to achieve is to... So it's know, not far off the, the soccer scholarships in America, I suppose. Yeah, it, it is. But, you know, the finances would be fairly different, you know, from what I've, I've spoken to people in the States, you know, uh, they cover people's full, yeah. you know, tuition, all that sort of. It could be worth up to forty, fifty thousand, could be twenty thousand, whatever they're offering to the kids when they go over. But we, we don't, you know, in order they don't, we, you know, nobody has the sort of money. Maybe UCD might be able to pay, you know, one or two of the soccer people's full tuition, full uh, accommodation, all that. But there's not many other people in Ireland that are doing that. Um, but still, we have a very strong program. We've attracted some great players over the years. Yeah, uh, you know, Sean Hoare, Jamie McGrath. Conor O'Malley, Ford Sewell, who's now playing for Barnet, um, um, Paul Rooney, who's playing for Colchester, um, Jake, who's playing for, Jake Carroll from Lucan, who's playing for uh, Cambridge now. So, you know, we have, we have four players currently in the UK that 
that have come through our program. Two of them have finished their degree, but only uh, one of them has. Uh, sorry, and two of them didn't, but they they came for, to us for a year. But there's been great other players as well, and we've been successful enough as well, you know, because there wasn't a great tradition of soccer in the university. Yeah, you know, there was um, I th- there was a couple of there was a, just about two teams, the men's and the women's. But now we would have four four men squads, two lady squads, and. Uh, which is, you know, there's plenty of soccer going on, internal leagues, internal... Yeah, sorry, five and in relation to, would you actively recruit players yourselves yeah, yeah. or is it very much kind of like would League of Ireland clubs look at one or two guys and, and, well, and kind of recommend? Way. Yeah, I mean, I, I, do, I have that as well. Obviously, yeah. we, we have a link with St. Pat's. Yeah. Um, the reason why... I, well, what happened was when I came in, I kind of looked at it and I said, well, UCD are the, are the main men. Benchmark, uh, yeah. And how are we going to go from being sort of also runs to... Um, Competing with them, and I just thought, well, the link with the university, link with St. Pat's, would be a great way of getting players in uh, that are of certain quality in that way. So mm-hmm. if we get three or four of them every year, by the third year of the cycle or fourth year, you got like a full squad of them, nearly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you're going to have other players that are good players in the university too. So and that's what happened. You know, we 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 got good players in like that. You know that way. So uh, and we've been reasonably success- successful. You know that way. So. Yeah. Uh, so. How would you encourage people to come on to the to, to look and seek uh, the yeah. soccer scholarship? Why would why why should they? Well, the most important thing is that they get an education. You yeah. know, I suppose I'm really passionate about that. You know, after being through the whole process of, you know, underage international professional player, I've seen the League of Ireland, I've seen it in the UK, I've seen Scotland, and I've seen, I, I've been through the whole thing. Um, so, from my experience, if I had my time again. I would, I was offered a UCD scholarship and I would have taken it if I had my time again because yeah. go when you're more mature, go when you're 20, 21, yeah. you're getting offered a proper contract, you know, they're going to value more, you've played a, a few League of Ireland games, so you're a man rather yeah. than a boy going over there yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like the most important thing is to get the education and I suppose they're coming out of school, they have the momentum. Uh, so with the studying so you know go and do it by the time you're 21 you have it done you know so you think now the League of Ireland Avenue is a more attractive uh, league to look at rather than as you said jumping across at 14, 15, 16 yeah and now I know there is some people who are lucky who go across but the higher percentage wouldn't yeah but if you look at all the fellas that are playing for Ireland now or have done in the last four or five years the Wes Houlihan's Keith Fahey uh, Ford, the goalkeeper, Ward. I played against all of them in the League of Ireland. Yeah. Um, and some of them have an education, some of them haven't. You know what I mean? But I would be encouraging all the guys before they all go over to the UK to get their education because it's such such a tough industry. Yeah. Such a tough, you know. I mean, I was a good player, you know, yeah. and, and uh, there's lots of good players around, but, you know, it's really hard to make it. And you can make it. There's different levels of making it. You know, I made I I, I played professional football for 12 years. Yeah. The average... I think is four years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, because they're dropping out at seventeen, they're dropping out at eighteen, nine, twenty, twenty-one. So you know, and then there's making it like Roy Keane. You're like Roy Keane's, you know, multi-millionaire. He never yeah. had to worry about money again. Yeah, you know, yeah. so there's different levels of making it, um, and it's very hard to make it really the f- to, a f- to to become a full international to to never have to worry about money yeah, again. Well, so we, we had. Connor Masterson was in with us, yeah, yeah. and again he's one of the lucky ones because yeah. he's obviously really fancied by yeah. Liverpool and what have you. And the contract and, he's been given, and he's settled. Already, yeah. yeah, he's settled now. Yeah. So whether he doesn't make it or not, mm. it doesn't make a difference yeah, now. So now, he can drop yeah. but it doesn't work out obviously well, like that for everyone. I would say he's he's the in, in the two or three percent there. You know that way, yeah. rather than the rest. You know that way. So uh, you're the manager of Manute Town. 
Yeah. Um, well, Maynooth University Town. Maynooth University Town, <laughs> yeah. You can't say Maynooth without saying University. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the Leinster Senior League. Mm. So what, what are the connections between the club and the university? Um, well, what happened was, um, as I said, we have a lot, a lot of League of Ireland players coming in to play on a scholarship programme. So what I was noticing was that just because they're coming into us as League of Ireland players, they weren't staying League of Ireland players. So within a year or 18 months, they were dropping out of the League of Ireland thing. Yeah. You know? So they were still good players. I still needed them for the, for the programme, you know? Yeah. So uh, I said to myself, well, how are we going to... How are we going to keep an eye on these guys? You know, and keep them fit. Give them regular football. Yeah, keep them fit. Uh, and what happened was, it just coincided with uh, Manute Town going into the intermediate football for the first time. Yeah. And I sort of was looking for that, and I had a conversation with the manager. I had a conversation with the club, and we were like, you know, this makes sense in yeah. a way. And so, basically, anybody that's not playing League of Ireland that's on the scholarship program has to play for our, our, our Lancaster Senior League team, which is and it's working out quite well. You know, it's, it hasn't been easy, and there, there was opposition from within the new town. You know, and yeah. the university. You know, so look, you know, but it's worked out. You know, I suppose the best way to answer these questions or critics is that just to be successful. You know, so and I suppose in relation to guys who have dropped out of the League of Ireland, and obviously we were, we alluded to America. There is there like any links, or would just kind of go up against any of these college guys before or something like that where there's a potential avenue for them to go over that way to the States yeah well I'm not encouraging them to go to the States because no. I want to stay I don't want them to stay here <laughs> exactly. you know what I mean so yeah. look I'm but sure is there any kind of guys sniffing around that kind of thing from the States coming over yeah you know I, I do here but I think they contact the players directly maybe yeah. you know they wouldn't be contacting me because I'm doing my own thing you know we're doing our own thing we're, we want to keep them here we yeah. want to be successful we want to keep the best players here you know there's one or two actually one of the lads uh, an Owen Highland um won the Collingwood with us actually in 2014 he um, he went over to the States um, you always get one or two you know but a lot of fellas are happy to stay at home you know that way mm-hmm. um, um, but yeah look I'm, there's potential over there but a lot of them go over to the States and are, don't like it yeah I've heard, I've, the girls on our, on our thing on, on our uh, programme have gone over and they, they're offered this and offered that and they get over there and they, they think get me home you know what I mean? and so. plus a lot of them are in the middle of nowhere and it's not kind yeah, of the bright exactly. lights of big city that exactly. you might think in the States yeah, you're exactly. literally it's a, it's, a, it's a backwater they're actually yeah. in you know exactly. way, and they're disappointed with that you know so um, we'll talk about your cup run with Minute. just want to talk about your pitch it's an astro pitch mm-hmm. it looks small it is small yeah it is it is small it isn't is small. it it's, it's uh, I just got the, I know it's regulation it's regulation so just it's, about yeah well it's, it's, it's approved by FAI you know, yeah so. it's just that the fence yeah. is really close to it so I yeah. said maybe it's not as small but yeah. it is it is yeah. but we, we are, we are um, there's plans for new sports facilities in, in the university and uh, a new all weather soccer pitch he's got yeah. uh, from what I'm told anyway so uh, and uh, would you rather be on the grass than the astro um, not, not necessarily. I think the great thing about the Astros is that you guarantee the football matches yeah. are on. You know what I mean? So, you yeah. know, I don't know how many times we've had matches. We've had a, back, we have a backlog of matches uh, this year. You know, obviously we've, we've 12 games left uh, in the league. Mm. Uh, but it's not because of our games being off. Yeah. You know, everybody's had a grass pitch. I can count six or seven weeks that we've had games off. Yeah. Uh, and it's not our fault. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. Would you be for a summer league or are you happy with the way the league is at the moment? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure if that would be a hard one to push on, I think, Leinster Senior League and Monster Senior League. Especially be, for you, because half of your lads would be gone then, yeah, wouldn't they? Well, no, because... Oh, well, they're supposed to play in league, well, they would be, yeah. They yeah. would be, yeah, I suppose, yeah. To, to, a great, to a degree. Yeah, yeah look, I don't know, I'm not sure. I suppose the fact that all of the rest of soccer is becoming summer league, yeah. really, yeah. in the League of Ireland stuff, and, 
and the Women's National League stuff and, uh, and even some of the other leagues and most Skill of the other leagues, leagues actually yeah. yeah they're all gone uh, so they might have to do. Yeah. They might have to do. It wouldn't bother me, to be honest. Which <laughs> yeah, the brilliant 2-1 victory over Dublin Bus in the semi-final in the Intermediate Cup. Yeah. Uh, and a huge day out for you now in the Aviva, yeah. especially yeah. for... It, 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 it's big for you because you're bringing that success to the town. Yeah. It's also big to, to the town because they've yeah. never had that before. Yeah, so exactly, yeah. it must be huge for the club, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, massive. We're delighted to... Um, well, you know, that was the plan to, to do well. I mean, to look, the priority is to get to the top division. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the priority. Uh, but, you know, we've had a great run in this. And I'm saying to the players, the priority is to get up to the top division and get get promotion this year, hopefully, yeah. you know. Um, it's not going to be easy. But um, we've got this day to look forward to. I'm looking forward to it. And look, look you know, it's great the run we've been on and to, to win the semi-final, win the quarter-final, and the run we've been on. It's fantastic for the, for, for the club. And there'll be... It'll bring all the schoolboys and schoolgirl players out from a new town and everything yeah. like that, and all the locals will come out. But I suppose if you don't win it on the day, you know, I've been to cup finals where you've lost. I've been to plenty of cup finals where I've won, but uh, you know, it's all about doing it on the day. It's the extremes, isn't yeah, it? There's yeah. the highs and extreme Look, lows if you don't win. It's, it. great. it's a good achievement, but you know, if you don't win, you know, it's the worst place to be hmm. on a cup final day. Yeah. Is, is in a losing dressing room yeah. that way. But so you got to make sure you win. You know, yeah. that's the main thing. Is, the, is that a problem now, though? Is that going to be a distraction for your the league? Not really. I mean, we've we've had a meeting about that already. You know, yeah. well, well, I've got to make sure that it's not. You know, yeah. as a manager, I've got to, and coaches, we have to make sure that it's not, and and the players have to make sure that it's not. You know, we have to keep focused. It won't be easy. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be easy to get up in this division. Um, it's it's by no means done. What's the standard of Leinster Senior League like? It's good. I think there's a lot of players that um, could be playing League of Ireland but don't want to play League of Ireland. So yeah. we, have, we certainly have a couple of them. I know there wouldn't be a, a few of them in Lucan. From mm. when I, I look at Lucan, you know, I don't want to name any names, but you know, there's fellas that I'd say definitely could be playing League of Ireland but just don't want to play League of yeah. Ireland. They probably yeah. don't want to travel around the country for fifty euro for a little, week. Yeah. You know That's, exactly I mean? so. it. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Right, I'm gonna just we're gonna finish off. But I wanted to talk about when you walk into a club or to a team or whatever. What's the first thing you look to change and or organise? Um, I think uh, when you you're talking about when we walk into a dressing room no just into it so, so when you walked in say Minute right. or you walked into say Ballyoster back then what was the first thing that you said right this is my basic thing I need to get this sorted to build the foundations of what I need to do well my teams and you know anything that I'm involved with you know obviously fitness organisation and professionalism okay if you, if you get those you know and that you know that's taken out of the equation talent and and all that sort of stuff but if you're if you're organizing you're fit and you're professional you've got a chance you know what i mean you've got a chance you've given yourself a chance if, if you if you don't have those things you know in my opinion you know you've no chance you know what i mean yeah. they're basic building blocks of success and then you're talking about talent and getting talented players in and you know what people can do and you know how where they can play they're, they're the little things but if you get if you get professionalism uh, what do we say? Professionalism, organisation, and fitness. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're the main things. And when you get out onto a football pitch, what's the first thing you organise? So in your training, you say, right, well, this is what I need to do with a team. What's the first thing you need organized, to do? Or, or so just organise. Yeah, so I mean, does I, that mean organise from the back? I'm not, I'm not, do I have to give you my little? Uh... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see yeah, what yeah. way you well, would, because it's not it's not exactly giving away secrets or anything. Yeah. It's just about how would you organise your team? Are you, are you looking purely just let let's get them fit? Uh, I know coaches that straight away will say, I need to organise the back line straight away because I need to make sure we don't concede goals. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I, w I would say I don't really organise the back line. What I'd say is that... A group. 
as you know, I would like to get us. I, I set us up in a way that we don't concede easily. Yeah. You know, and then you know, if you've got a bit of pace in your team, you're always gonna, you know, a solid a solid base. Yeah. Is where I'd be coming from, and then you know, you're trying to get a bit of talent into the team. That's going to create something for you. Yeah. So I, I, that's what I always come come with. If if we're solid, we don't concede. You know, um, and organ like, like I said, organized. You know, set all those things, all the little details. But um, yeah. Okay. So, so we normally give out uh, uh, there's three questions the big three we call it but I'm not going to go through the whole three because that'll take too long but there's one that we give out so it's like like card and this one's called the under my skin card is there anything in football that really gets under your skin that really bothers you and, and you, you wish wasn't there um, I think with the young players like really young players uh, in the schoolboy clubs now I think parents are so I think there's unrealistic kind of expectation on young players yeah. and it's been put on them by their parents. I think they should just let them play. Yeah. I was lucky like that. I didn't come from a football background and in that way, my dad didn't really put me under pressure. You know yeah. what I um, My uncle was, my uncle uh, John was lived on the same road as me. He was a scout. He, was in, he kind of into the football a little bit more. But yeah, I think parents, um, you know, pushing people, you know, the chances of making it yeah. are minuscule. Yeah minuscule I'm talking about if you're in an academy it's it's less point than 0.5 of a percent if you're mm. working if you're in an academy yeah in, in the UK you know this is you know and their academy you know what they're doing over there is far beyond what we're doing but like and then so there's these unrealistic all their eggs are in the one basket with their son when they really should be saying listen go and enjoy it you know the chances they should know the chances of them making it is so small and even people that are leaving the country here at 14, 15, 16 they should be sat down and told you know you know, hopefully have a career, but you know, go and enjoy it. Get an education, and if and if the career, and the football works out great, yeah. because the chances of you making it is, yeah. is tiny. You know what I mean? So further emphasizes the course that you provide at the well, moment. Well, yeah, I mean, not just ours. You know yeah, I mean? of course. I'm just talking about getting some sort of education. If it's not, uh, if it's not academic, do a do a, an apprenticeship. And is the player welfare say from when you first went over? Is it a lot different than say a guy going over now? No. Is it very much? It's all about the football. It's not a case of right. We'll give you a little bit of a background. Is it very much you're there to play, and that's the end of it. Well, you're I, either good I, enough, or you're not. I met with a guy called Stephen Gray, who used to play for Southampton, and now he's uh, he's coaching Shamrock Rovers. But he, he called up to me the other day in Minute, and he wants to put something together for young players going away as an advice to say, you know, because there's, guy, there's guys going. There's nobody sitting them down, sitting them down from the FAI mm. or anywhere. I'm not criticizing the FAI, but anywhere to say, listen. This is the chances for you. Yeah. You know, this is yeah. what, of course, you want, you think you're going to make it and you should think you're going to make it. You should hope you're going to make it. But these are the reality. This is the reality of the situation. Yeah. You know, so um, I suppose parents that, you know, are putting all their eggs in the one basket with their son, hopefully that they're going to make and everything's going to be all right for the family. You know, that shouldn't be the case. The boys should be playing for fun. Yeah. Um, well, we see, that would be a pet hate. We see that a lot up and uh, obviously I'm with Luke and United yeah. a long, long time. But we see that an awful lot where parents are nearly, they're more upset than anyone, yeah. than the kids. Mm. And if their son isn't playing, yeah. and, and even if it's, it mightn't even be A, football, it may be B or C. Yeah, yeah. No, they need to keep doing that because we, he's going to get up to A division. And they're so focused on their kid getting to A because they think A is going to mean yeah. scouts and yeah, scouts yeah, is going to meet yeah, the plane. Yeah. 
and they don't realise that actually the kid's just out there playing and yeah, if yeah. he's enjoying himself and he doesn't they have any pressure happy. on them they then that's it they that's it they happy. should be happy yeah. and yeah. you see it, you, yeah. Dave you've gone up to watch a couple of the Shamrock Rovers under 15s and maybe 17s and that's what's it, it like up there like, yeah. it'll be a bit intense for 90 minutes you can see it like because you can see some of them that are there just for support but you can see the majority that are there that it's it's everything this is everything yeah. and that has to come onto the kids and when does the fun where's the fun for them yeah. and they're going to start falling out of love with the game before yeah, they even yeah. have a chance of making it and then they wonder why they're back home at 18 with nothing Yeah, yeah. but the love has gone out of the game and they're not even loving it before they even get over there because it's literally in their brain don't do that you can't eat that this morning yeah. don't have that sausage no you're yeah. and the rest of their family are probably eating their yeah. bit of a fry up and <laughs> yeah. no there's your granola and you're like Jesus Christ I'm 15 ma'am or whatever yeah, exactly. that happens exactly. get out there and start running for a half an hour and then yeah. come back and you yeah. can have something yeah. I suppose look they have to be professional and all that but I think they have to be kids realize they probably have to be kids as well. I think they have to be sat down and told, listen, it's really tough, this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Give it everything. And of course you want to make it, but Absolutely. have a backup plan as well. You know what I mean? so, Would it have benefited you if something was in place back then? Well, if someone had talked to me and said, well, maybe you're aware of it. Maybe you just don't want to know. Yeah. Maybe you don't want to know because you're so tunnel visioned that you can't look up maybe. Yeah. Maybe like, when you're in that situation, maybe it's different. But I suppose I'm, I'm looking back with all the wisdom of what's happened with, with me and for, you know, in my situation. So, but that's why I'm so proud of the university, the, the scholarship thing. And that's why, I mean, I set up the whole thing. So I, I'm proud of that. And, yeah. uh, well, with the help of the university, yeah, yeah, university's yeah, money. Um, but, you know, that's fantastic. Like these guys, you see, it, you see them coming in at 18, 17, 18, after doing the leaving cert, right? They're footballers, right? In their heads, they're yeah. footballers. But then maybe within two years or 18 months, they're now going, oh no, I'm a student. I like football, I'm good at football, but I'm not going to make it. Like, I don't think I'm going to make it. In football. I'm not even going to go to League of I don't think I'll play for League of Ireland first team even yeah. at this stage. Yeah. But I'm getting a degree and I'm going to be going to be a teacher. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they're, so they're, it they're opens okay. up the, the, the realism yeah. side of things. But, like, uh, but, uh, but, but it doesn't take away their, uh, I suppose it doesn't take away game, their, yeah. Yeah, their love yeah. of the game. Or even they want to play yeah, football exactly, at a high level exactly. they just know then if they yeah. can or they can't but or... they have this sort of they have their degree that they're they're focusing on yeah. you know they're not just going God I have to make it in football I have to go make it in football you know whatever You know, they have this oh well okay and it's not a it's a kind of a, a cushion yeah. because yeah. they're saying okay well I have an education now yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? so. so to apply for uh, your programme when do they have to apply and what's the procedure? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's the final day for applications tomorrow. Um, so anybody that's interested, they would tomorrow have... Tomorrow being April the 1st. April 1st, yeah, <laughs> Sunday. Yeah, but there, we, you know, we'll consider late, late applications, you know. But okay. uh, ideally get it in before tomorrow because I do a trial. Is it online? Uh, online, Minute University okay. website, yeah. So um, if you can't find it, just maybe put in you know, search engine scholarships, uh, soccer yeah. scholarships, you know. And it's an, it's an online application process. There's a link there you can click on. And they can email me on barry.prendable at uh, 